these sorts of things. So anybody want to make a point or finally disagree with me? Yes, go on. Uh, I was thinking, um, I sort of left with the impression that um, dissent is something that happens to you once and then after that it's all alright. Um, and I think I a lot of people have the same experience that death and resurrection are part of, are part of life. Mm. And you come back different and you come back knowing less, but with a kernel of what you do know, is that much tougher. Mm. Um, and it's almost like it shrinks and shrinks what I know, yeah. but what I do have is absolutely solid and gets, gets sort of harder like a diamond. You've done a theology degree, then. You've done a theology degree, um, that's one of the drawbacks in a way with someone like James Fowler and they would have James Fowler, but he has this model to do with stages of faith, a bit like well, um, in spiritual terms we're like toddlers and then we're like um, adolescents and then we're like, you know, young adults, whatever. A simpler version of that is Sam Keane, who said, uh, we, we begin our, our life, uh, our spiritual life, in a kind of childlike state. Uh, whereby we accept what we're told, we're part of the community, we're quite dependent, we just absorb it all. Um, and then we move to a, an adult stage, if you like, where we begin to discern for ourselves what we, what we think about things. And then he says beyond that, there's a place called, I think he calls the outlaw, which is a bit, a bit like an adolescent thing, where the outlaw can define themselves over against, um, they withdraw from the community. And it can be a very helpful kind of prophetic role, if you like, someone that sees no need to just do what the, you know, the, the, the status quo, the human line, what the you know, authorities say. They reject the authorities in favour of, this is what I think is going on. And the institutions need that. Institutions need people who challenge the status quo. But it can be also a, a destructive role if it comes out of bitterness, cynicism, anger, um, conflict. To be a, cri a critical friend, I think, is quite a healthy place to be. You know, to know where you belong, but also to be able to question. And then he says, and I'll come to this in a minute, he talks about a stage of integration which is about being a fool or a lover, a kind of childlike place. I'll come back to that, but my point here in response to a very helpful point is that actually Life is not linear. You're absolutely right. We don't go through these stages and think, well, I'm here, and I'm here, and then I'm here. Um, just as in, in life, um, it's more like spirals, and actually people have a second childhood, or a third childhood, a fourth childhood, a tenth childhood. Um, you may find yourself at a certain point in life thinking, in relation to this community, or this issue, or this job, or this bunch of people, I'm experiencing a kind of adolescent thing. Uh, or whatever, you know, we we go through these loops. And one of the things that I've often done on spiritual direction courses is to get people to think about their life. Uh, or being on courses where you've done a kind of timeline, you know, you've got this and this and this. And the way I 
sometimes do is to say, I think about it like terrain. You know, there's like lakes and bogs and mountains and tracks and things going up hill and all that kind of thing. And actually, if you lay out your life in that kind of way, you will find that there is a sense of deja vu sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Actually, because we are human beings, uh, and this goes back to your guest questions about identity and a person, we revisit those same places sometimes, don't we? Because deep within us there is something that is unresolved or, or unreconciled in some way. Um, you may find yourself in a difficult situation or a positive situation. And when you start to think about it, you might find yourself thinking, oh, I've been here before. Am I going to do what I always do? Or maybe now, given a bit more awareness, a bit more maturity, a bit of something else, maybe I'll do something different. Now, I wish I brought it, but it's a great poem. I can't remember who wrote it. It's called something like um, A Short Autobiography in Five Chapters. Mm. Yeah? Some people know that. It, I'll paraphrase the gist of it. It basically is about going down the street. And the poet says, well, I go down the street and I fall into this great big hole and it's not my fault uh, and it's terrible that it takes me ages and ages and ages to get out. And the next bit goes, well, I walk down the street and I fall down the hole and it's still not my fault, but eventually I manage to come out. And then the next bit goes, I walk down the street and I fall down this hole um, and I realise that maybe it is my fault um, and it takes me ages to get out, but I manage to come out. And the next one is, I walk down the street and I fall down a hole and it's my fault and I get out quickly. And then the last one says, I walk down different streets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been here before. Maybe there's a different way of going about it. You know, so, interesting. Anything else? Anybody wanted to just chip in before? Yes, thank you. Um, I don't know, those of us who have been struggling with the Christian tradition for any number of years, are accustomed to messages that go like, you know, he who wants to find his soul shall lose it and all this kind of stuff. Messages that I think, for me anyway, have told me that whatever I want must be not what God wants for me. And so I always live with this conflict that if I want it, it must not be right. Yes. How do you help people out of that hole? Oh, <laughs> great what a great question. Now, this takes me back to when I was about 22 maybe younger in that, and I was sat at my kitchen table and I thought maybe God was calling me to some kind of ministry. Wasn't quite sure what that meant or what it looked like, but I thought one of the things I thought about was, oh, because my parents were Methodists, I thought maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I should be a Methodist minister. And I had this vision of myself, and I'm sorry if this please forgive me if this offends anybody here in any way, shape or form. But I had this vision of myself on a bicycle with a very boring outfit and a blue hat, uh, looking like the last person anybody in the world would find remotely attractive, interesting, or generally inspiring. And I burst into tears and I thought, because, um, because I had this sense that you know, that's what God might be telling me to do, obviously that's what I'm supposed to do, because we all know, don't we, that if you don't want to do something, it's probably what God is telling you that you should be doing. 
<laughs> Fortunately, this all comes back to our image of God, and one of the things that, that we talk a lot on um, spiritual direction courses about is not only do you think, you know, who, who do you think you are, but who is God? Is God the kind of God that actually takes great delight in calling us to do the last thing on earth that we would find life-giving or interesting? I would say absolutely not. A friend of mine um, once described a certain job he was doing and, and how difficult and challenging it was, but he also said, but there's a lot of lollipops in it, you know. I don't have to do this. Um, and I thought, well, that's really interesting. And actually, whatever it is we do, sometimes it will be hard, sometimes it will be easy. But go back to how we think about God. And fundamentally, is God a God who thinks, how hard can I make this? You know, how, how much can I make you suffer? Now, I don't know about your God, but my God is not like that. God doesn't always give us what we want, whatever you mean by God, but, but God doesn't always give what we want. But there is life. And going back to what I was saying about consolation, I think you know you found a sense of vocation when you, you look at life and what you're doing and where it's taking you, and you think to yourself some days, this is taking all I've got. This is challenging, this is stretching, this is emptying me out, but I wouldn't be anywhere else. I wouldn't be someone else, I wouldn't be somewhere else. This is where I want, desire to be. And actually, nation spirituality is all centered around the idea of desire. And the more in tune we are with God, I think the more our desires come into some kind of harmony uh, with God, with life, with ourselves, with compassion, with love and grace. So actually, hopefully we don't have to choose. Because I used to think to myself, this is one of my vocational questions. So how do you find guidance? If you don't want to do it, that's probably a sign that God is telling you to do it. Um, or is it the other way around? I used to think to myself, if you do want to do it, is that a sign that maybe it's right? Well, of course, neither is necessarily true. And the whole tricky thing about discernment is there's no easy answers, is there? All you can do is keep listening and engaging and simply saying, here I am. Um, what, what for me is the path? Maybe it's what I really want and I long to do. Maybe it's what I feel really apprehensive and challenged about. No easy answers. <laughs> now, going back to how faith grows uh, and, and stages of faith, if you read Fowler uh, or if you read Sam Keane, they talk about a stage, and again, this may you know, go around at different times in our lives, but I think this stage in particular is... Is, is rare and maybe something that we tend to experience at the end of our lives. The saint, um, the fool or the lover, some king calls it. It's a kind of second innocence, um, a childlike acceptance, uh, when the complications, the complexities, um, the what-ifs, buts and maybes begin to fall away. Uh, and as they say, the world has ceased to be a problem to be solved and has become a mystery to be enjoyed. 
give you an example in, in a way. Go on. But, um, Gerard Hughes wrote a great book um, called Where Are You, God? Have you know that book? Great book. Uh, he was a Jesuit, he's dead now, um, wrote some great books. He wrote a book called Where Are You, God? which is, is sort of an autobiography, but it's much more than that because it's really about his life and his journey and his discerning of how he was led at different times by God. And he talks, he talks about guidance at one stage, and he says, well, uh, when he was young, uh, he followed the call to uh, enter the priesthood and become a Jesuit priest and be in community, uh, and he was absolutely convinced that this is what God had called him to do. God had spoken to him at a very young age, he, he followed this path, and he went through all the things that one does. Much, much later in his life, somewhere in middle age or beyond, um, he'd studied psychology, he had lots of experiences, he worked a lot on spirituality and retreats and prayer, and he thought about vocation and he thought about all sorts of things. And he thought, hmm, interesting. How did I get to be a priest in the Jesuits? I thought that it was because God spoke to me and called me. But actually, my understanding of who God is and who I am and how God works has changed. And actually, I look at my sister and my relationship with my sister. Uh, I look at my relationship with my mother. Uh, I look at the environment in which I was brought up. Uh, I look at the things that have shaped me. Actually, it was inevitable I was going to become a Jesuit priest because so much has kind of psychologically, environmentally, socially, culturally, religiously led me to this place. So we had this big crisis and thought, maybe I'm not supposed to be a priest because actually it's all psychology. And it's got nothing to do with God at all. So he thought, oh, maybe I should leave and, I don't know, do something else. And then this question um, occurred to him. It's very profound the way he describes it. He says, but then I realise it doesn't matter. Because the question is, would I choose to be somewhere else? No. Was it God? Was it guidance? Was it spirit? Was it mother? Was it the church? Yes, 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 yes. All those things, probably. And here I am. And actually, I wouldn't be somebody else, and I wouldn't be somewhere else. This is, this is it. Um, so, a bit more from, um, from Fowler. He says, the vision of second innocence turns the world from a battleground into an arena where divine forces are playing out a love drama. The seeming plurality of things only masks a deeper unity. The lover can say, all is one, and know what he or she is talking about. It's only after the tragedy of disease, evil and death has been wrestled with that authentic love begins to emerge. This sense of oneness, um, and it says elsewhere in the book, um, he says, I suspect, he says, the wisdom, wisdom of 20-year-old children who go back to looking, oh, all is one, yes, that's all you know, peace man or whatever. Um, because actually, that's a nice idea, but it hasn't been grounded in the painful grinding of tectonic plates of our life experience. But it's hard costly and difficult to say those things. When you experience real dissonance, real conflict, real struggle, it costs you to say, all is one. 
it will all be all right in the end. It's all part of uh, cosmic life, whatever language you want to use. So there is a place, maybe, um, of integration. I hesitate to use the word acceptance, but that might be that might be a word we could think about. If you're familiar with things like the stages that we go through of, of bereavement, um, you know, you go through these different like anger, denial, blah, 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 and somewhere along the line there's a place of acceptance, which is not giving up, but it's a place of peace. Eckhart Tolle, I think it is, says um, that so much of our suffering is caused by wishing that things were not as they are. Do you know what I mean? That came home to me once when I was driving at the M, um, A34 and I realised that I should have taken the M4 some time ago uh, and I was going to Wales, which is a long way in the other direction. And I thought, I'm driving at the A34, I'm supposed to be on the M4. And I suffered <laughs> for a moment. And then I realised, I must have just read Eckhart Tolle, so I thought, ah, Suffering is caused by wishing things to be other than that. <laughs> Here I am, on the A34. Embrace the moment. <laughs> Sign around. It is what it is. Oh, I felt so much better. I did still feel slightly annoyed. But you know what I mean, there is something else. I think there is a truth in that. But actually, in the cosmic scheme of things, there is time. And there is space. And when we're talking about vocation, often people come and talk to me and they get very agitated because they want it all to happen now. Well, I'm, I'm, I can go to theological college at this age and I'll be at this age and then I'll be, uh, I'll be the Archbishop of Canterbury by this age and then I'll be the Titanic. And I go, whoa, hang on a minute. In the Kairos moment of things, what is time? It's not linear. It's about grace and wholeness. So, I'm beginning to ramble now, but there's some questions at the bottom. I wonder if you've ever experienced a moment of liberating insight, changed priorities, or letting go. This is how things are. This is where I am. I don't need to analyse it with my brain. I just need to embrace it. What might a new innocence mean for you? What stops you from being a fool? stroke lover. That's the simplicity. Um, and what do words such as wholeness, harmony, healing and peace mean, mean for you? So in a moment, I'm going to give you time to go and ponder that and then we're going to be in the chapel at quarter past four to gather for um, our final liturgy. But before we do that, I want to, I want to read you a poem. Um, which is from a book called um, The Wisdom Way of Knowing by Cynthia Bourgeau. She says a few words to introduce it, and then she reads this poem. I think it's actually quite, quite a good, um, good way of just drawing some thoughts together, because it's about who we are, uh, how we are, and where vocation may take us to. Now, you may feel, by the end of today, that you're no further forward um, in knowing what it is you're supposed to be doing. And 
the journey will continue. And I hope maybe you've had some tools, some thoughts that might help. But, but what is vocation other than coming home? Home to who you truly are, how God names you, how you encounter God, where you find God's life and joy, where consolation and peace and life and all those things are at work. And what can we do except wait and listen? And there are no easy answers, but I do know that when we wait with those open hands and open hearts, God, however we understand the word God, always, in some way, begins to flow in and through that. I'm sure of that because I've seen it so many times for myself and for those I've accompanied through some dark, dark times. Times of rejection when the church says no, of frustration, of blocking, all those things. But you keep holding, waiting, saying, here I am, and here I am.